Good day to you. Welcome to the Path to Zion podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you haven't heard, visit us online at pathtozion.com. Send us an email at pathtozionpodcast at gmail.com. We are continuing to get new listeners worldwide. A lot of West Coast here in the United States is starting to listen with great regularity. If you are in Utah, California, Arizona, Idaho, thank you for listening. You're a long way from me. It is evidence that I believe the Lord is speaking something to us in this hour. Listen, I feel very, very, very sober today. Um, I, in, in all honesty, I don't even know where to begin. I'm very afraid this is going to be just so big that I'm not going to know how to pull it off, how to, how to rightly address everything that's in my heart and in my understanding, and I would say just buried within what I'm hearing the Spirit say in this specific hour. I've spent a lot of time in prayer over the last several days towards this topic. I've spent several days writing and studying towards it. My prayer is that we can accomplish something. This will be a multi-part series for sure. Friends, someone has got to stand up and say something that is different than what the message of the church is, primarily speaking, in this age, in this hour that we're now in. Because again, the, the pattern that I'm always, I'm always trying to counteract here on this program and in my life is the extremes of Christianity, the extremes of the church, of the people of God where we seemingly, in this scenario specifically, you have a camp who says, you know what, God's got it, ha ha ha, giggle giggle, it's all foolishness, it's all fake news, none of it's real. And then you have the others who are in complete panic mode, who don't know what to do, don't know what to do with what they're being told, and are really being shaken. And again, here we are, yet in another example of, you know what, what about the rightful middle ground for an unshakable yet spiritual man who addresses things through his spiritual insight and understanding? Not my own understanding, but through the Spirit of the living God. Moved and, and, and spoken to by, taught by the Holy Spirit that indwells me as one who is in Messiah, born again, regenerated, the Ezekiel heart exchange reality. I'm not a Christian. I'm not. <laughs> I am a new creation. I am literally moved and transferred from the bloodline of first Adam, my fallen father, and I have been moved into the bloodline of the perfect slain lamb, Yeshua Messiah. The Emmanuel reality to, to enable me to come into his bloodline and be as he is, a son of the Most High God. And so, yes, I am here in a natural earth, I am surrounded by the kingdoms of men, the governments of men, 
but I am underneath one governmental authority, and that comes from the highest heaven and makes its way all the way down here, which is why we pray, on earth as is in heaven. That is no mere catchphrase to remind us to be good Christian people. It's a spiritual governmental reality. I've taught on this forever. We are to be ambassadors of a kingdom that is unseen unless we therefore go out and proclaim it and declare it and live it and establish it upon this natural earth to do what? To redeem what mankind forsook in the garden thousands of years ago and gave away the dominion that was in fact theirs by the living God. Rule and reign. Walk in dominion. On a natural earth. It was abandoned. The great adversary is ruling and reigning the air, y'all. And if you're not careful, he will rule and reign you in this hour for absolute sure. Why? Because the spirit of fear, the spirit of deception, I would say has been unleashed in greater measure than we perhaps have seen in, oh boy, generations and generations. And so here's the thing. I see a lot of, of, of talk and discussion and dialogue and opinion of what to do, how to cope. Even in the natural, like, well, what do we do? Businesses are being closed down. Schools are shut down. Sports gone. All the entertainments of the world that drives the church as much as it drives the world closed. And so people are like, well, what do we do? I don't know. Let's do some puzzles. Let's watch some videos. Oh, let's watch a hundred videos because we have to stay entertained. Friends, I'm telling you, it's very possible that that as well is going to be taken from you. And what then? What then? And my charge is, is the church, the capital C church now, the people of God, Are we praying? Are we fasting? Are we on our knees with our family crying out for the mercy of God? We have been given not a challenge, not not a, uh, all this weird verbiage of all these things that this current hour is. You know what it is? It's an opportunity. It's an opportunity to be shaken and say, oh man. It's time to wake up. It's time for the prophets to to wake from their slumber and speak the oracles of God. It's time for the homes that, that claim to be underneath the banner of Yahweh God, the one true God. We are His. We are in Yeshua Messiah. We are in Christ Jesus. It's time for these people to take their proper place if you've not been walking in it already previously. I've heard people trying to make it clear that, oh God, when God, okay, what do we do when, quote, God is silent? I mean, these, I'm seeing like mainstream pastors, megachurch leaders, People of influence saying, what do we do? People are asking me, what do we do in this season, in this hour, when God is silent? Well, guess what? I I have a differing view to present to you today. 
I have not just a differing view, that I would say is black, and what I'm going to present is actually white. It is an absolute opposition to the, why is God sleeping presentation. Completely opposite. This will be a multi-part series. It's going to be at least two. It's very possible it will be three. And somewhere in the back of my mind wonders if it's going to be four. Right now, it's Friday morning. Monday morning, the Lord took me to a verse as I was just doing some word studies. And something, if you study... Not if you're a teacher, or not if you're a preacher, not if you're a pastor, leader, evangelist, but I'm like, if you know God and you read his word, and because it's living and active, something bubbles up in you when you read and when you study, you know how it feels. Oh God, there's something in here, right here, on these pages, for right now. I may not know what it is. I may not understand it. We're told to not lean on our own understanding. So in my position, from my seat, (laughs) that's actually in my favor. God, I don't have the capacity to understand this. I don't have the ability to extract what it is the Spirit's saying in this text and get it to make any sense in my own head, let alone outside of my body coming out of my mouth to anyone else to help instruct them help them, encourage them rightly according to the word. I don't even know how to do that. So that's where I am right now this morning. Oh God, I've got five pages typed out. And that's the the condensed form. I had more than that and I just had to literally stop. I had to literally stop. Well, why? Because I feel like this is something that's got to go out as soon as possible. I don't believe it needs hyped. I don't believe it needs stirred to convince you that this is something. Boy, you better tune in to every last word I say. I think it will stand for itself if, in fact, the Lord makes it clear what he is saying within what I'm going to present. So with all of that preface, I just want to submit something to you for you to pray into for you to study, for you to ask the Lord himself through your relationship with him. And if you don't have him, you will not understand. If you don't have the spirit of the living God in you, this will make no sense. This will be foolishness unless the spirit of the living God breathes a a ruach breath of life into it, through it, and brings you to a place of understanding through his spirit, breaking you down and leading you to repentance. You will think this is absolute foolishness. And so I'm just saying, I, I am putting myself in my proper place. I'm humbling myself and I'm saying, look, unless the Lord pours out his spirit on what I'm going to say for the next however long it will be, this will make no sense. But I believe, I believe There are some great depths for us to go and to extract some things that God himself is wanting to speak. Why? I'm always saying on here. We're told in scripture that the eternal one true God, the Elohim of Elohims, the king of all kings, 
the Lord of all lords, the one seated upon every throne, every kingdom, every principality, every power, every ruler, every authority, every prince, every president, every leader, every slave, servant, and nobody, everybody from, from the top tier of angelic hosts all the way down to the lowest servant of a man on the earth. To every molecule of life upon this earth, he sits enthroned. Yet, he does nothing without first revealing it to his prophets. And friends, you need to have this resolve that the Lord has given me a gift to possess in this season, which is, I am going to be one of those men. I will hear the word of the Lord. Why? Because all of humanity, I believe, is being prepped and ripened for the harvest. Someone must come in and not just speak only to a situation from a natural understanding and a natural assessment based upon emotions themselves, their own emotions that are looking upon the emotions of others or just mere fact. Because our emotions and how people respond to things, even ourselves, and facts that we actually see that are in fact 100% true, they mean nothing at the heart of the matter. When Yeshua walked the earth, why did he look so dramatically different than every other human being on the earth ever? Because he saw the hearts of men. And he saw the true purpose buried within the natural circumstance. Dead men? No. Not dead. Your perception is off. Your your faith is completely vacant in this situation. Excuse me, can you please go outside of the building? It's time for some faith to fill this room, and what I say will go. Why? Seeing through natural circumstances and getting into the heart of a matter and friends I'm telling you that is why I exist I feel like I exist for this hour and so let me just say this and then we're going to get right into this study after a 14 minute intro (laughs) may we the people of God in no way Even if we look confident on the outside, may we be rock solid, sure. Not afraid, not moved, not double-minded. So that someone can hear the word of the Lord with eyes of discernment and speak it boldly into the atmosphere of the earth. Someone has got to see rightly according to what the Spirit is saying and what the Spirit is saying alone. Which I am convinced will absolutely look like ridiculous foolishness in the eyes of most men. And so you need to check yourself, check your own heart, check your own willingness. Am I willing? What if we really, really had to lose our lives for the sake of the kingdom? What if we really, what if when Yeshua said, you know what, anyone who will lose his life for my sake will find it. What if you, my friend, had to actually live that out? What if that really began to mean something to God's people? 
I would say, here in Western culture, in patriotic Christian America, we have not had to lose our lives. It's been completely voluntary, and therefore very few have done it. We have to speak true. Why would you lose your life? Your life is awesome. My life is cushy. It's comfy. It caters to everything I need. I have everything I've ever wanted. At the second I want it, we have to give ourselves with purpose to abandon our lives, to lose it on purpose for his sake so that we can therefore find it. And I'm saying I am convinced that in this hour, opportunities that has never come to the Christian American church are about to hit, if not already here. Look, I mean, in a millisecond, the American church is absolutely convinced, you know what, we don't need to gather. We don't need to gather. People who have wagged their finger and said, forsake not the assembly of the brethren, to people who skip church. I have heard word for word for the majority of my life this, this backbiting talk of those who, when they skip church, what they hear, what they've been told, I've had it done to me. And in my heart, I've done it myself. Well, they must be spiritually backslidden. They're not seeking the Lord. Why? Well, they're not at church. Don't forsake the assembly of the brethren now. Shaking that finger. Okay, church, American church, what about now? What about now? What about your finger wagging now? Are you doing it at yourself? Forsake not the gathering the ingathering of the people of God. Do we believe what we say? And more importantly, do we believe the word of God that gives us things to do and to cling to for a purpose? I believe there's actually coming a purpose in these things that have just kind of been t-shirt Bible scripture quotes for most Christians. Catch phrases. Not heartfelt deep-seated doctrines that are unshakable and unmovable because it's the word of God. Forsake not the assembly. Boom. One week's time, two weeks tops, and the whole American church, for the most part, is saying, you know what? We don't need to gather. It's okay. I can tune in online in my pajamas. Same thing. Same thing. And you know what? what's sad is? That's pretty much true. That's the level of relational interaction most of the church knows anyway. It can be mimicked and exactly done the same in our jammies via web chat. Because that's kind of how the church functions already. So maybe there's really not that much of a difference, which raises a whole nother issue of problems. Forsake not the assembly, the gathering, the physical gathering of physical bodies together to glorify and to magnify the awesome name of the one true God. So friends, what are we doing? And why in the world is this happening? Why in the world is this happening right now in 2020? Well, I want to talk about that for a while. From my perspective, from what I feel like the Holy Spirit is leading me to in the written eternal word of God, through my time of prayer, 
and through just this constant trying to get my mind to constantly meditate on things that are above and not things down here. Gathering information in very small increments on purpose to keep my mind set. No, I'm a spiritual man. I'm a spiritual man. I'm filtering all this through the discernment of the spirit the best I know how because I can feel that spirit of fear. I can feel it towards my son, towards my older parents, towards family members, towards friends, my neighbors here, our children. This is real life, y'all. I'm not afraid. I'm never afraid. That's hogwash. I am afraid, but I don't rule, I don't get ruled over by it. It doesn't have me under its heavy hand. I come to my father and say, when I am afraid, my trust is in you and you are unshakable. I'm not, but in you I am. I run into your holy hill. I'm safe. I'm delivered. I'm set. I'm not pretending. I don't feel emotion. I am a human being on a natural earth, but I am fueled by the Spirit, and I will walk accordingly. So this message that I want to talk about, we're already going to have to just barely do an intro and move into another part, but here it is, is what I called it. The purpose within the pestilence. The purpose within the pestilence, because y'all, God is not silent. If your pastor, if your leader, if the prophet that you get his emails telling you how much money you're going to get this year, now it's shifting into God's, oh, God's just going to take everything away because he's a good God and he doesn't want anybody to suffer and he loves everybody and this has to go because it's so bad. Turn that off. There is no way in the world God is silent in this hour. And if you think he's silent, I'm telling you, your ears aren't on. It is not the voice of the Father that's silent. It's that your ears are not open. I'm sure of that. Everything else, hey, I don't know. <laughs> I know that for sure. So the purpose within this study is to look at the accounts of Scripture to find some patterns of how God deals with huma humanity as a whole and primarily, primarily His people. His dealings with humanity and in the, in the specifics of how God deals with with humanity, how he deals with his people. And the patterns we see in the word of God. Recorded for what? For our instruction. In light of this present hour especially, where do we turn and what do we do? We cannot be a people who just look at these things through our natural understanding, label something bad or good, in this case, Christian American church is bad, bad, bad. Pray, go away. We must pray and make, convince God to make this go away. This has got to be bad. God is silent. Where is he? This is a bad pestilence. We have to pray and, and tell it to go away. I'm proposing a different vantage point in this message. The purpose within the pestilence. So this study started with looking into plague and pestilence specifically in the Bible. Again, it's Friday morning. I started this a little bit Monday morning, came back to it Monday night, 
Tuesday night, Wednesday night, yesterday morning, which took a, it ended up being a good chunk of yesterday because it's just this gathering of information which leads to one thing, which leads to another thing, which leads to another and another and another, and the consistent pattern of God becomes crystal clear when we study to show ourselves approved. A key factor that I will continue to establish throughout this study is that pestilence is almost always from the hand of Yahweh. I could almost go as far as saying every single account in the Bible says that when pestilence comes to the earth, when it comes to God's people, it is by the sovereign hand of God straight from his throne. I'm not going to say everyone, hands down, always, because I don't have that kind of time to study, and maybe not even the mental ability to study it out to make sure I can unequivocally say every single time in the Word of God, pestilence comes from God Himself. But I can, with great confidence, say almost every time, pestilence and plague comes from God. We must make it absolutely clear that we understand that throughout the entire timeline of humanity, plague and, pl plague and pestilence comes from God in order to accomplish His purposes on the earth. Judgment, correction, a call to return, a call to remember, a call to repent, a call to upend something that was off, and to give it an opportunity to write it. You know the age-old question, why does God, why does a good, loving God let bad things happen to His people? You know why? Because if plague and pestilence and troubles and trials and tribulations never came to any one of us, myself included, we would never ever come to Him. We would never go to God. He is the potter. We are the clay. He knows us. He formed us. He fashioned us. He knows us so intricately. He knows in his goodness and in his kindness that unless he brings about circumstances that drive men to their knees, they will never, ever, ever come to him. I would never have come to the Lord if he would not have removed so many of my comforts and pleasures and all the things that my life was in too to come to him. To give me opportunity. And even then, what are we told in the scriptures? No man comes to him unless he himself draws him, that man, to himself. Why does a good God let bad things happen? Come on, people. To give us an opportunity to realize our depravity, our need, our dependence upon our Creator. How dare a creation look at the Creator through their actions and through the hardness of their heart and say, I don't need you. It's foolishness. And it is the way of humanity. So we have to get through our minds at the very beginning that God brings about judgment, plagues and pestilence specifically throughout the timeline of humanity in the Word of God to call people to repent and to return. Why? Because it is absolutely necessary, and without it, people will never, ever turn to him. Few do already. Even when he brings it, few come. Does that not make it crystal clear that without it, we will never come to him? 
we would never come to him. We would never have a need which would therefore drive us to come to our creator and plead for mercy. It is his perfect way. It is his goodness. I've been telling people for the last 10 days in any opportunity I have to talk to people. Because, of course, it's easy right now. It's right on the surface of everyone's thought patterns. There's no need for wild evangelism right now, man. Everybody's already primed and ready. It's the goodness of God, this pestilence. It's the goodness of God. It's His kindness. Because I see it, I would like to say, I believe I see it properly where His judgment is His goodness. Why? Because it draws men to find, at least gives them the opportunity to find why they exist. It's to know the one true God and to give them, give Him their life as a living sacrifice. Which is why we are even on this natural earth. So we must, must from the very beginning, we've not even stuck a toe into where we're going to go, but we must get into our thinking the correct understanding that the, the judgment of God, as we often see throughout the Old Testament, plagues and pestilence specifically, is His goodness to what? To drive men to their need. To remind them that they are a people who cannot live outside of the protection and provision of their Creator. Why? Because men forget you will forget. I will forget my need for God unless I walk in the constant remembrance that I am in absolute dependence upon the Father. Absolute dependence upon Him. Every single thing in my life comes from His hand. Everything. And friends, a lot of people are being shaken to the point where they're beginning to ask that question, I believe, in much greater measure in days ahead. I'm going to wrap up this, make it part one. What we're going to do is we're going to look at two primary scriptures over the next part or two. The, the, the real crux of where this started. It's going to be in 2 Samuel chapter 24 and 1 Chronicles chapter 21. So if you want to get your Bible out, Man, do that. You probably got some spare time, right? Study, study, study to show yourself approved. 2 Samuel chapter 24 and 1 Chronicles 21, we are going to establish what I am going to present and submit as at least a potential pattern in the scriptures of how we respond and find the purpose within the pestilence. Part two coming up next. Amen.